Our reading today is taken from Jeremiah chapter 31 and is reading from verse 33. Sorry, verse 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband for them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Brilliant. Well, do keep that open in front of you as we uh, go through that together this morning. I don't know about you, but I find terms and conditions a very boring read. And when Apple decide to do a new update on the iPhone, and they send through this new terms and conditions for me to read, well, who really has the time to read through all of their terms and conditions? And so that inevitably leads me to do the very irresponsible thing of going all the way down to the bottom, clicking the I have read the terms and conditions, and then even more irresponsibly, clicking the I accept the terms and conditions. I don't have a clue what I'm signing up to. I mean, I guess I'll find out someday. And you know, this morning, if we are people that have decided to trust, if we are people that have decided to follow Jesus, well, you know, we should actually know that we've done more than just say a few words. We might not know it, but we've actually entered into a covenant with God. Do you know, we hear those famous words of Jesus almost every time we share the bread and the cup in our time of communion. When Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And you know, the theologian Wayne Grudem defines what a covenant is. He says, a covenant is an unchangeable, divinely imposed legal agreement between God and man that stipulates the conditions of their relationship. Hopefully it should come up on the screen. And yet this agreement, this covenant, is so much more than the Apple terms and conditions that we sign up to. In fact, in verse 32 of our passage, we see it's likened to a marriage. I mean, can we imagine the the bride or the groom not knowing the agreement that they're entering into with the other person? Not knowing that they've agreed to forsake all others? to love each other in sickness and in health, to know that the pledges, the promises that they are making are for life. We can't imagine that they were going to that not knowing what they had signed up to. And so it's crucial this morning 
as God's new covenant people, we know the terms of our relationship with God that we have said yes to. And this morning, if we're not a Christian, well, do you know, this passage in Jeremiah shows us what God offers to each one of us and invites each one of us to accept this morning. As we go through our passage, there are just two points as we go through it. The first one is the need of a new covenant. That's from verses 31 to 32. You see, in our series in Jeremiah, we've seen that God's people are off in exile. They've gone off into Babylon as a result of God's judgment at their sin. And we've seen over these past few chapters, even though that's the case, well, God makes extraordinary promises to his people. Extraordinary promises even to them in exile. Promises to bring them home one day. Promise to build them up. Promise to restore them. Promise in chapter 30 that their mourning will be turned into joy. In fact, from chapters 31 to 33 we see God making a vast number of promises to his people. But you know, in our passage this morning, we arguably get the biggest promise of them all in the whole of Jeremiah. And we see that in verse 31, look with me. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. God promises to make a new covenant with the people. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, I didn't even know he made an old one, let alone a new one. Uh, What's going on here with this, this promise that God is making? You see, throughout the Old Testament, God entered into relationship with his people through these covenants. And there are four explicit covenants that are mentioned in the Old Testament. There's one made with Noah in Genesis 8 and 9. There's one made with Abraham in Genesis 12. There's one with Moses and the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 19. And there's one with David, King David, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And the prophet Jeremiah, in our passage this morning, he points the people back to the covenant made with Moses. We see that in verse 32. It says, It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Now this covenant that that Jeremiah is pointing back to is often referred to as the Old Covenant or the the Mosaic Covenant, named after Moses. And that covenant was made after God had rescued his people so amazingly, so powerfully from slavery in Egypt. And they crossed the Red Sea, and as they crossed the Red Sea, they're brought to a mountain, Mount Sinai, and their God enters into covenant with his people. God says... He makes a promise. He says, I will be your God. You will be my people. You will be my treasured possession. You will be a priest, a a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests to the whole world. God makes extraordinary promises on the condition that God's people keep and obey 
God's word. In fact, in Deuteronomy 28, the terms of this covenant, this old covenant, this Mosaic covenant, are laid out very clearly. Obedience will lead to blessing. And disobedience will lead to God's people being cursed. It will lead with God's judgment and the curse falling on his people. That is the covenant. That is the agreement. The terms of the relationship that God had with his people when he entered into a relationship with them, with Moses in Exodus. And yet the problem all the way through the Bible is that God's people constantly choose to break the covenant that they've entered into. We've seen it all the way through Jeremiah, haven't we? God's people are covenant breakers. And that eventually leads to the judgment of God's people living in exile. In fact, this was the biggest, it was the worst curse that God could bring on his people for covenant disobedience, to send them away from the land that he had given. That was the last resort, the worst judgment. And yet that's what's happened, isn't it? God's people are covenant breakers. They've been sent away into Babylon, the exile. This is when Jeremiah is writing to to his people. The ultimate sign that the covenant has been broken of disobedience. And it's broken down because of the people's heart. The covenant relationship is not possible. It's not even possible because of the people's hearts. It constantly rebels, constantly wanders away from God's word. And do you know this morning, even though we were people that weren't there at Mount Sinai, we're not people who have entered into this old covenant, it's still impossible for us to have a relationship with God on those terms. Romans 3 verse 9, 11 says, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. We all by nature are covenant breakers. There is an incredible problem with our hearts, an attitude to one, towards the one that has made that. I know it. I know it. I feel it. And so because it's impossible to keep the terms of the covenant, it's therefore impossible to have a relationship with God. We're covenant breakers, not covenant keepers. And you know, that's why our passage in Jeremiah is such good news for us this morning. Because at the moment when it was the clearest to the people that they had been disobedient, that the covenant had broken, God promises a new covenant. God says there's going to be a new set of terms for our relationship with God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 8, this passage we're looking at in Jeremiah is quoted exactly in Hebrews chapter 8. And the author of Hebrews says that Jesus, he is the one that fulfills this promise. He is the one that brings us into this covenant relationship with God, this new covenant relationship with God through his death on the cross. A new agreement, a new relationship had to be provided for his people and that 
is what we see. That's what we're going to see next. And that brings us to the second final point, which is the content of the new covenant. The content of the new covenant. You see, Jeremiah gives us three things. Three things that the new covenant will bring to God's people. Firstly, we see that the new covenant deals with the problem of our hearts. We see that in verse 33. Look with me. It says, this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God promises to do open heart surgery on his people. We saw earlier, didn't we, the problem with the old covenant is that because of our heart, it's impossible in our own effort to be covenant keepers. We're covenant breakers. But God promises, the most amazing promise, that he will be the one to change the hearts of his people. That he will give his people not only hearts that can obey his word, but hearts that desire. Desire, there we go, got there. Desire to obey God's word. And you know, this promise of, of, of God's surgery on his people's heart is, is also picked up in Ezekiel chapter 36. It speaks of this new heart promise. And in verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Do you know, isn't it interesting that God still wants obedience even in the new covenant? It's not obedience that in any way contributes to our own salvation. That comes only through what Christ has done. But God cares deeply about having a people who obey his word. And not only that, but whose delight and joy it is to live his way. And the remarkable thing is that in this new covenant, God is going to do that work. A new heart filled with the Spirit. Do you know, it's like a car company promising you a, to give you a new car, but also promising that they're going to be the ones that constantly fills up with the fuel that it needs. This new covenant deals with the problem of our hearts. It changes our hearts. But secondly, the new covenant brings people into a one-to-one relationship with God. Look with me at verse 34. It says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. God promises that every one of his people will know him. And you know, that word know, it's the Hebrew word yada. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, any stretch, but that word yadar, it means it's a, it's a deep, it's a personal, it's an intimate relationship with God. That is what it means to know God, to be in this relationship with him. 
And God says that everyone from the least to the greatest can know God like this. Whether you're living, whether you're a Christian living in the slums of Mumbai or in the mansions of Hollywood, you can know God like this. A deep, personal relationship with God. And yet if this is what God says that he's brought about in this new covenant, we know that that comes through what Christ has done. If that's what he's done for us this morning, that I can know God like this, that I can be in relationship with God like this, do you know, I've been finding myself thinking this week, why is it that at times I find myself losing the wonder of being able to know God like this. This is one of the most outrageous claims of the Christian message. That people like you and me can know God. That we can be in a relationship with the God that has made us. It is one of the most incredible privileges that God can give to his people. That you and I can know him be in relationship with him. And yet sometimes I feel it's like I've been adopted into the royal family and choosing not to partake in any of the privileges that come through it. Do you know, this knowing God, you know, it points us to the privilege we have of prayer, that we can talk to our Father in heaven in prayer. This is one of, again, one of those incredible privileges that we have as God's people, bought through the blood of Jesus, and yet so often I see it not as a privilege, but something that maybe requires too much effort. How crazy it is that I even think that way. It's too much effort. God has made a way for me to know him through the death of his son on the cross, and yet sometimes I'm like, I can take it or leave it. You know, I'm not married, but... No, I'm not. <laughs> but I can imagine that in a relationship with the other, if the other half said to the other half, why aren't you speaking to me? And the other half replied, well, it just takes too much effort. Well, I can imagine that doesn't go down too well. And yet this morning we see in this new covenant, God brings us into relationship with him. I can know him. I can speak to him because of what Christ has done. The most outrageous privilege this morning. And yet I treat it like I can take it or leave it. How wrong I am to view prayer this way. How wrong I am to view my relationship with the one that has made me this way. It should drive me to him every day. Every moment that I'm awake, I should rejoice that through Jesus, I can know God. But finally, we see that the new covenant brings total and full forgiveness from sin. We see that at the end of verse 34. Look with me. It says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Do you know, one person said, all of this newness that God is promising, all this newness that comes through the new covenant 
is only possible because of forgiveness. We've seen, haven't we, the biggest problem with the people in exile that Jeremiah is writing to, the biggest problem in our hearts this morning is our heart attitude of rebellion against God. But this new covenant, it promises full, it promises total forgiveness. You know, I mentioned at the beginning when we have our times where we pass around the bread and the cup and we hear those words of Jesus, this is the new covenant in my blood. How can we have forgiveness this morning? In his blood. Through Christ dying on the cross. It's all because of what Jesus has done. And you know, it's so much more than just Jesus dying for our sins on the cross, taking our punishment in the place. That's true, but actually it's more. You see, Jesus, when he lived, he was the only one to have ever lived a perfect life, a life that you and I just cannot live. Jesus is the only person who lived fulfilling and obeying every single one of God's laws. Never disobeying God's word. Jesus was the only covenant keeper. And so when we think of the cross, it's not just that my sin was placed on Jesus, but even more than that, Jesus' perfection, we use the word righteousness, is given to me. And so God looks at you and me if our trust is in Christ this morning, not as covenant breakers, but as covenant keepers. He looks at us and sees not my wrong, but Jesus' perfect life. That is the wonder of the cross. And as Jesus fulfilled every one, every bit of the old covenant, he now ushers in the new covenant which is one that we've seen is a promise of a new heart, of relationship, one that we can know God, one of full and total forgiveness, past, present, and future. All in Christ's blood. And you know, this morning, I hope we've seen our need for this covenant. I hope we've seen our need to accept it for ourselves. I hope we've seen how wonderful and glorious this new covenant relationship that we have with God is, all through what Jesus has done. But I hope more than anything this morning, we see how grace-filled this covenant is. If you look through this passage, you can scan through, you see all the emphasis is on what God is going to do. All the way through, it says, I will, I will, I will, I will. God's going to do this. It's written all the way through the passage. And you know, last week when Andy was leading our service, and he stuck up the word grace, and he defined it as undeserved loving kindness. And yet that is exactly what we see in our new covenant, isn't it? God's going to be the one to change our hearts. God's going to be the one that causes us to know him. God's going to be the one that will forgive us. It's all him. It's all him. 
It's all through what Jesus has done. And you know, here's the crazy part. Even though obedience is an essential part of this covenant, even our obedience doesn't even come from us. It's God. The Spirit working in our hearts, changing our hearts to be more like Jesus. It's all Him. It's all God. Totally grace-filled. And so these are the terms of the new covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. And this morning, if you're here, maybe for the first time, if you're here this morning as someone that is not yet accepted to choose to follow Jesus, then know this is what God offers to you this morning. He offers you this. Forgiveness. A new heart. A chance to know the one that has made us. But also know that not trusting Christ, not choosing to accept him as our king, means that we still remain covenant breakers. But trusting him means we inherit everything we've seen in our passage this morning. And for those of us this morning who do trust Christ, that have accepted, that have said yes to be part of this new covenant, for God to be our God, for us to be one of his people, well, do you know, I wonder whether you've been looking at this passage and you've been wondering, well, God promises a new heart. And maybe you're here this morning, like me this week, and you've been thinking, well, I'm crying out for a new heart. I'm crying out for God to change me to be more like Jesus. There are times where you have such a hatred for sin in your own heart. You're desperately fighting your sin. Longing more than anything just to be like Jesus. And you're looking at this promise, God's going to give you a new heart. And you're wondering, well, how does that work? Well, do you know the promise of the Spirit being poured into our hearts this morning is therefore a call for us to walk in the Spirit. That's what Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 says. Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, since we now live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And you know, if we're here this morning thinking, well, what does it look like to keep in step with the Spirit? What should we be expecting the Spirit to do in our hearts? Well, Paul, in that letter to the Galatians, mentions just a few verses previously what it looks like. Verse 22, here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you know, if this is who we are as new covenant people, filled and changed by the Spirit, then surely this is a call for us to continue to walk in step with the Spirit. Praying every single day, Lord, make me like Jesus more and more. And you know, it means this morning that in our struggle against sin, in the sin that we maybe wrestle with, well, it's not unconquerable. We don't have to just sit back 
and just wish that God would do something. He has. He is doing something in our hearts. This morning, if we follow Christ, he is changing our hearts to be more like Jesus. And so as Paul says, since we live now by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But you know, as we've gone through Jeremiah 31 brilliantly, we can now honestly say we have read the terms of the agreement. We can tick that box together this morning. And you know what a covenant it is that we have this morning through Jesus. This is far greater than any Apple terms and conditions that we get. It's far greater than even any marriage covenant. God lays out the incredible promise of new hearts, relationship, full forgiveness to us this morning, accomplished all and only through one person, the Lord Jesus, in whom is our trust and hope. Do you know this morning, you can read through that passage again in Jeremiah 31 and go, this is everything I do not deserve. I know that I've been saying that. This is everything, Lord, I don't deserve, and yet by the grace of God, this is what we're reading this morning. Our gracious God with a wonderful covenant, relationship forgiveness, all in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we praise you this morning for this new covenant. We praise you that even though it's impossible in our own efforts to live your way, you have promised us your Holy Spirit. You have filled us with your Holy Spirit that we may live according to your word. Father, we thank you that you have given us full and total forgiveness through what Jesus has done. We praise you, Father, that we can even talk to you this morning. We praise you that this is even possible. Father, help us not to take for granted what we see this morning, but let us cherish it. Cherish it and treasure it each and every day. And may our hope only and ever be in the Lord Jesus that has brought this covenant to us, that has made a way for this to be our reality this morning. We all pray in his name. Amen.